Hey, my name is Lizzie Smiley, and I absolutely love helping people connect with their calling and all the tools they need to kick roadblocks and excuses right out the door so they can cultivate the life they dream about. If you want to launch, grow, pivot, or scale your Etsy shop, or you've always wanted to develop the mindset and skills to run your own business, then I'm your girl. I've had that entrepreneurial spirit going strong since my very first lemonade stand, and now I'm a work-at-home mama with multiple online companies and a full-time Etsy shop, all while being present with my kids for the everyday chaos and most important milestones. On this podcast, we'll talk about all things business, mindset, Etsy, creativity, dazzling our customers, and so much more. There's plenty of room at this table for you, so scooch on in and let's go. I'm holding nothing back. Welcome to How to Sell Your Stuff on Etsy. I'm so glad you're here. Hey guys, welcome back to the show this week. I hope things are going well. I am fired up to deliver you an Etsy FAQ podcast. So, um, I don't know, how's Q4? What's going on? We I'm literally recording this the weekend after Thanksgiving, like a few days before it airs, because it's just craziness right now. And uh, in the next few weeks, I'm going to be recording for the next few months. But I wanted to make sure I got this one in here because I've been telling you about it forever and I have not delivered. So here we are. It is Saturday afternoon and the husband has the children and we get to geek out about Etsy FAQs. And I'm going to see how many of these I can get through. I'm excited. But what's so fun too about this episode is it's airing the same day as literally tonight not tonight, tonight, but tonight when you're listening to this, if you're listening on Thursday, is going to be the AI product workshop. And the more I dig in, the more excited I am. I know it's the wild, wild west, but here's the thing. I'm one of those people who, um, I have a hair stuck in my sweater. I'm one of those people who tends to play it too safe. And I've been challenging myself for 2024 to not, I'm not, I'm not going off the rails, but to take a little more risks because I, I think back to like the people who, jumped on TikTok right away. And I was like, I'm not doing that because I can't dance. And it's true. Um, Or like people who um, jumped on TikTok shop right away, or people who jumped on YouTube or blogging right away. And like, their lives will never be the same because they got in early. You know, we could even, we could get, we could really geek out, right? Like crypto or who bought like Facebook stock or whatever. So my point is, AI is the new hot thing. It is super controversial. And I personally, I'm the kind of person I kind of want to like go, you know me, like I've talked about this, right? We're getting ready to buy a farm in the middle of nowhere. The way this is the exact opposite of what normal Lizzie would do. And that's kind of why I feel like led head on into it. Um, I want to understand. So the point is tonight we're doing the first workshop. I'm going to see how it goes. I'm thinking I'm going to do more in the future about other products. This one is talking a lot about mock-ups. So not just people mock-ups, because that's obviously controversial, although still completely legit. And we're going to talk about that because it's one of the questions I got from you guys. Um, but also like, like Etsy's, um, thumbnail information, like when they say like what the thumbnail uh, rules are for digital products, mock-ups are completely legit because there's no other way to show them than with a mock-up. And so I'm doing a lot with AI creating that kind of stuff too, just because I want to make sure I'm covering both. So anyway, it's going to be so exciting. And um, if you want to come, you can still grab a seat. There will be a link in the show notes for you. You can also buy it after the fact. So if you're not listening on Thursday, November 30th, and you're like, oh my gosh, I want to learn how to create products for Etsy using AI. I'm using MidJourney mostly. Um, then by all means, you can grab a membership seat to see, to see the replay. It'll be available. And we'll probably do more in the future. So 
it's exciting. I'm energized. I'm putting all the stuff together right now. Um, but let's, we'll talk about that a little more later. Let's jump into the FAQs you gave me. I, I have no idea how many we'll get through, but we're going to try. And if I didn't get yours and you want to hit me up via email or you want to get on the list for next time, I typically do these twice a year. So I love taking care of y'all and answering your questions. Um, I'm just going to dive right in. I don't think I have any other, any other housekeeping. So let's just dive right in and get some questions answered. The first one says, oh, can you cover this in the FAQ episode? Yes. Check. Are Etsy sellable sellers liable if someone enters a trademarked phrase on a custom t-shirt or other product? I'm new to Etsy three months, only two sales in this marathon venture. Okay. So this is like, this is a legal question. Um, I'm going to give you my opinion, but nothing in this episode should be construed as legal advice. I am not qualified to give you legal advice, nor are we in that relationship. So I like, trust me as far as you can throw me, maybe. Um, this would be a great question for Paige Hulse, who coincidentally I'm talking to on Tuesday. It's too bad this was reversed, but here's the thing. Um, I, I am a rule follower when it comes to someone else's intellectual property. So I don't care if it was my idea or my customer's idea. I'm not going to do it because I don't want to make money off of someone else's intellectual property. Just like I don't want someone else to take the hard work that I've done and rip it off and go make money off of it. That's that's breaking the law. So if you are producing something that is, oh, also let me add this in. Re- recently, Printify has been starting to take down those listings within Printify because they're legally obligated as well. So you may not even get away with it that way. Um, you might say, well, I would never get caught. Is it really that big of a deal? Yes, it is. Because if that person were to, for some reason, post a picture or leave a review or something, you could have markers on your account that you broke the law. So I don't know who's technically liable, potentially both of you. I do not know, but I wouldn't do it for those reasons. And I hope that helps. Matthew, thank you for the question. Um, number two, I need a step-by-step do I sign up for Printify account, then open Etsy shop? Or how, where should I start? What order do I sign up for things? You bring up a bunch of sites to use, but not what to do first. I already have products ready to go. Okay, so the best thing to do is to open the Etsy shop first. Why? Because there are several um, little setup things that you need to do. You need to create like your about section and your banner and everything. Get all that ready create your Etsy shop, and then you go to printify.com or printful.com and you create your account there. And within there, they will have a place where you can sync them together. And you could also initiate that on the Etsy side. So you're going to create them after the fact. So Etsy first, Printify second. Honestly, my guess is there's a thousand YouTube videos that would show you how to do that if you just want to know the clicks. Plus probably Printify has instructions in there as well. So um, I hope that helps. Etsy first, Printify second. Number three, I would like to hear some paying yourself and maybe some tax tips. Okay, so we did an episode on this where you're going to hear from an actual licensed accountant, um, which this is not my strong suit. You do not want me to advise on this. So episode number 63 of the podcast was with Sarah Verhan, who is an accountant, and she answered so many great questions about this. Um... Just a couple things, and like, I mean, again, I guess I already disclaimed this podcast is not legal advice, but um, a good thing to do is to have a separate business account for it, um, and then to have some kind of amount that you pay yourself regularly, but you want to make sure that you're not going into the red, right? You're going to want to make sure you keep a buffer over there, 
Um, you also are going to probably want to link that same account to your Etsy payments, like for if you know a month that you're in the red there. Um, but I would not, you wouldn't want me to give you tax tips. So I would listen to Sarah and you will get kind of think exactly what you're, what you're looking for, but, um, you can pay yourself weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, quarterly, however you want to do that. Just make sure you've got a separate account. And that's about as far as you're going to want my advice for. <laughs> okay. Next up, this is like four, five, six, seven kind of thing, because I had so many people asking social media questions. And I thought that was fascinating. I was super excited because my background before Etsy, I was a social media manager. So this was so fun. So I'm going to read through a few of these and then um, talk about them a bit. But here's the thing. Um, we have a social media expert. So the, the bottom line with social media is it changes a ton. It changes constantly. And um, I don't personally keep up with that anymore because I'm keeping up with Etsy and with you guys and all of that. So um, if you want more specifically on social media, go to episode number 78 with Julie Oxendine. She is she's the person I go to for all the updates. In fact, I am in and, and you can be too in her um, monthly social media coaching group. It's extremely reasonable and extremely valuable because you go in there and not only is she doing like what's relevant right now and constant teaching and reviews and personal help there in the, in the Facebook groups, incredible, but she has a huge library of recordings that she keeps updated for how, what to do on every single platform. So if you're just like, well, I do well on Facebook, but I don't understand Instagram. I can't get that to work. She's got like a training video for Instagram to tell you because each platform's different. You know, she's got over a million followers on the various platforms. She's killing it. So that is what I would do if you really want to get into the weeds and get some good strategy on social media. And the thing about Julie that's nice is she's not just a general social media person. She she has an Etsy business. She sells wreaths. Like that was her thing on Etsy. And she works with tons of other Etsy sellers. So it's very specific to us. So I want to make sure you know about that. Episode number 78 for sure to start. I will also link the membership because I am in there and like it's extremely valuable for keeping up with social media and knowing what's happening right now. So hopefully that does help. She's been on more than one. She's a good friend of mine. So I really trust her. Um, even more, all of our guests I vet, but she's actually like a personal friend. So let's talk through some of these questions though. So someone said regarding social media marketing, if I have a new shop, do I create an Instagram for my shop or use my personal Instagram? If I set up an Instagram for my shop, how do I gain followers? Same question with TikTok. So you for sure don't want to use your personal account. You want to go ahead and create a business account. And, um, it, this, the gaining followers, it's the age old problem, right? So I would use your personal account to draw people for sure, but they're not necessarily going to be your ideal customer. So not only do we need to keep per personal and business separate, um, but we also like we, for our business, we don't want to just have, you know, followers that don't care. We want people interested. So what you do is you create compelling content. You, um, you do stories, you do reels because those go out to people who aren't just your followers. You, um, you can ask friends or colleagues to share. You can use hashtags. They can still help you kind of get some reach on your stuff. But I think, um, Instagram, I will tell you is very difficult. Um, it's, I, I don't want to like, it's sort of just like reached this place of maturity where the algorithm, it's it's hard to get a leg up in there without paying for like visibility. The organic reach is kind of meh. And I mean, even I've had trouble having traction on there, whereas over on TikTok, it's like the complete opposite. So 
I'll talk about TikTok in a second, but it just just know that it's a great idea to have a business in business Instagram because I do feel like that's one of the first places that people go look you up. But it's going to be hard to gain traction. It's going to be slow going. You may not get a ton of followers. Don't don't sweat it too much. But your best bet is to stay doing. And this is what Julie helps me with because it does change like what things are going crazy right now on Instagram. Like I just heard Gary Vaynerchuk. If you guys don't care, follow Gary V. Well, if you don't like swearing, don't follow Gary V. But if you do like don't mind swearing and you like tough love, he will give it to you all day long. And that's very much the style that I enjoy to receive from. So um, he was talking about, he's always testing this. And right now he's doing a photo with a like a carousel but the second thing is the video so whereas before it was always like just video 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 he's seeing better results by doing photo than video so I think to the point of this question just um you need to be creating the content that the algorithm wants um reels what Gary's doing the photo then the video carousel um stories those are going to be the big ones so I hope that helps with that for TikTok it's a whole different story so um, TikTok still has crazy virality and you can get on there and post your first video and get followers. Most people don't like, I don't, that's, that's kind of like, um, I don't want you to be disappointed if that doesn't happen, but, uh, you, what's amazing is that no new person going on Instagram is going to like hit it off right away unless they're famous or they have some other way to gain traction. The the algorithm itself isn't going to do it for them. Whereas TikTok, absolutely. So what I typically suggest is get on TikTok. If you can have the same name as your Instagram and what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to go study five to 10 accounts that sell or do something similar to what you do and see what they do and pay attention to their videos that get the most views, comments, saves, all of it. I would spend a few weeks even just studying with all the extra time I could on what works. And then from there, you can go ahead and start creating your own content. Um, It really helps because you need to pay attention to the hook, which is the part in the beginning, like the very first couple of seconds, what you put on the screen and what you say, and then how you run the the, the rest of the TikTok. I would keep them very short in the beginning, uh, but it's really every every single account, every single niche is going to be different on TikTok. So pay attention to what's working really well for other people in your niche. Don't directly copy them, but use it to inspire you to create a similar video. You can um, use some of the same sounds. That can be really helpful, paying attention to like what the music or the background sound is that they're using. Uh, also, if you're selling a physical product, it's not, print on demand doesn't really work. I don't know. I don't think digital you can do on there yet, but TikTok shop, if you have videos that do really well on TikTok, you could make so much money on TikTok shop. It's insane. The virality is nuts over there right now. So um, I hope that helps. Then the next thing I would do, I would post at least once every day for 30 days. And you're going to learn so much. Something is either something is going to pop off or nothing is going to pop off. And if nothing pops off, I want you to go back to the drawing board and study 10 accounts and figure out how you can get a little closer to what they're doing with your own flavor, your own way. Maybe add some new accounts to study. Maybe add some adjacent accounts. So for example, if you sell um, beaded necklaces, find someone who sells purses that just see how they're doing it. And they could get you some inspiration. And then you do it again. You do another 30 days of posting every single day. So try it, test it. That's the thing. Um, also depending on what you're selling, LinkedIn is extreme. If you have to kind of position your content differently, but it's also extremely, uh, viral still. It's basically acting like Facebook did back when, 
you could get you could you could get so much organic reach on Facebook without paid ads. So LinkedIn is huge. And then Pinterest for Etsy sellers is always massive as well. I think that might be in the next question. So I will put that a pin there, but I hope that helps for more check out Julie. Um episode 78 and her membership because it's going to have hours more um, information for you and more current too. All right, guys, if you've been here for a bit, you've probably heard me say that if you want to beat saturation in the biggest Etsy niches, you've got to find a way in by using micro niches. So a micro niche is a smaller niche within a niche. So for example, the mom niche is massive, right? And if you get on Etsy as a new seller and try to sell a mom sweatshirt, you're probably never going to get found or even make a sale because the competition is just too crazy. But if you pare down to a micro niche, such as like a NICU mom or catcher mom or doxy mom, now you're onto something. You have a better chance of penetrating the market because there's still some demand. People are searching for those phrases, but there aren't as many sellers trying to compete in those micro niches. So how do you find them? How do you how do you go about finding a micro niche? One main way that I find them is by using Sales Samurai, which is a third party tool that gives me SEO clues like big time. And you can see my YouTube tutorial um, to try it. There's like a three day free trial in the um, that's available in the show notes link if you like. Look at the look at the video, get the trial, get the discount code. But I've also created for you a free list. I've done the research for you, and it's a list of 100 keywords in various micro niches that all have demand without crazy competition. And you can snag that also in the show notes if you want to get a sneak peek at what the data looks like and how um, where you can find some areas of opportunity that I have found in my constant SEO research. I hope it helps. And more importantly, I hope it inspires you to hunt for the micro niches because that is your ticket to crazy success on Etsy. The next one was with social media, I struggle to even start with Pinterest and Instagram. Should I do an out and out advert for my online store and Etsy products, or should I show a few of those products with ideas for using them? Okay. So Let me say first, any kind of advertising, whether we're talking about on Facebook, on Pinterest, on Google, on Etsy, please don't run ads until you have something selling already because you can waste insane amounts of money on something that isn't proven. Once you have a product or a poster, so like what I do, if I have a TikTok that goes, that kind of goes crazy, I put ad spend behind that one. I don't put it behind the one that only, you know, a hundred people see. I put it behind the one that by itself goes to 10,000 or more views. And the reason is because something about that one worked. And so never run an ad unless people are already buying that product. I hope that helps. But, um, okay. So I talked about Pinterest or Instagram already. So the same thing as that last question would apply on how to start with Pinterest. So, um, you want to, oh, oh gosh, I should, Emily Vales, we had a Pinterest episode not that long ago. Let me pop over to my podcast and just see what number that was. I should have made, I should have made a note like I did for the others, but I didn't. Um, Emily Vales, E-M-I-L-E-E, Vales, V-A-L-E-S, is a Pinterest expert, and she is also a friend of mine. She's incredible. And she came on the podcast not all that long ago. And so this is where you could go ham on some Pinterest stuff because their stuff has recently changed a lot. Episode number 93, new Pinterest updates plus pinning strategy for your Etsy business with Emily Vales. Episode 93. I need to make sure I put number 93 in the show notes. Um, 
basically, Pinterest is amazing for Etsy because you're just going to create the account and you're going to you're going to make it for your audience. So everything that you pin there, whether it's your products or other related products, is going to be it's not it's going to be what they like, the perfect customer for your product. And over there, you're going to pin your products. And um, if you are running your own website, I suggest directing the traffic to the website. If you are running an Etsy shop, make sure you go in and grab the link from within your shop because now Etsy is discounting the, um, when you send your own traffic to your listings, they are, and, and it sells, they're discounting the transaction fee that they charge for it. Like they're their fee and that's incredible. So make sure you you don't don't go to etsy.com your shop and grab it from there. Go within your dashboard and grab the link from within your listing. Um, and that will help you to reduce your fee. But yeah, you're gonna you're gonna post your products and you can try um you can tr- so on Pinterest there's two ways to pin. One is you can click you know upload a pin and you can just put in the link and let it auto populate the image from basically it's going to pull it from your Etsy shop. I would try that, but I think it would be better to go into Canva and create the right pin size. You know how like Etsy, uh, Etsy images now are square. So it'd be something like 2000 by 2000 pixels, but the, the Pinterest pin is long and it's like tall and thin. I would go in if like, if you really wanted to do a Pinterest game, I'd go into Canva, create my own pins, by using some of my pictures, but even like go back to some of your product pictures and like resize them so that you, and you could even take pictures just for this. You could always add them into your like Etsy picture gallery and reuse them. Um, but create your own pins so that they take up the longer real estate in the feed, but you, but both. So do that. You can pin things that are related. Um, I think it's a great idea to use video on Pinterest. So when you suggested, should I show a few of those products with ideas for using them? Heck yes. There's no like right or wrong. So you need to test all of it because every shop, every vibe, every brand, every niche is going to be different. So for me on Pinterest, I do all of that. I do all of the, um, I do the products like links straight from Etsy. I try just linking it directly. I try making my own pin. I try creating related content, try all of it. I think Don't let yourself get into analysis paralysis about it. The most important thing is to be consistently posting stuff over there. And then hopefully my suggestion on the ad spend helped. So, okay, that's been like a million years on social media. I hope that was interesting for you guys. Um, I'm glad we've got another, you know, episode 78 for more more social media stuff. Super interesting conversation. Um, Okay, number four is, it says lighting on photos. I'm having a hard time getting them to look good. They're either too white from editing, too, or blue tinted or yellow. Okay, so um, the first thing I would do is I would go look at 30 listings that are, you know, best sellers or top performing in your niche and take a look at what photos are working really well from them. Because when we're just like shooting from the hip on listing pictures, it's um, that's just a place where you can't play around because your pictures aren't incredible. It's going to affect you being able to sell anything. So the first thing to do is to go study what looks good in terms of lighting. The best thing that you can do is to use natural light. So um, you want to go by a window, either like kind of dawn time or dusk time. So you don't want the bright, uh, you want indirect lighting. You don't want the bright light coming through the window because it's going to create the streaks and the weird coloring. Something I even sometimes, because I had like a, a photo deck for my smaller signs, it was just a big wood thing that kind of looked like a rustic wood flooring that I would lay down on the ground. I would put my sign on it with maybe like a little wreath above it or 
you know, eucalyptus leaves or whatever it was going to be that I was going to stage it with and then take a picture from above, like looking down on it. And um, I would do that like when there when it was either cloudy out because cloudy kind of simulates dusk or dawn. Um, you just don't want harsh sunlight. You want indirect filtered diffused light. So probably what's happening is you're you're just not taking them at a time when you're getting indirect bright light. I think even using lighting kits can can cause icky coloring. It didn't work well for me. I wouldn't go editing them a whole lot. I would just try to get, you know, either right in front of a window when it, the sun is not directly coming through it, but it's indirect, you know, like dulled lighting from the um, cloud cover or sun, sunset or sunrise. That's actually, if you go for a photo shoot, like with your family or for yourself, usually the photographer wants to do like, you know, depending on the time of year, like five o'clock in the evening, because it's not the bright overhead sun. It's kind of starting to come down and it diffuses it. So I hope that helped. Number five, um, how do I decide if my niche is too narrow, resulting in few clicks? So when you are not getting views on your listings, there's a couple different reasons. One of them is that your SEO is not good. You, you don't have the right keywords in your titles, tags, descriptions that your ideal client is searching for on Etsy. When they go to the little search bar, they're just not typing in what's on your listing. That can be one reason. You need, you need help with SEO. The second reason can be, yes, that your, your niche is too narrow, meaning that nobody's actually searching on Etsy for what you're selling. Uh, so there could be different reasons for that. Number one, it could be that um, it's the wrong time of year. You're selling something that's Christmas related around Valentine's Day, and just there are no searches for it at that particular time. So you're not getting the views. Um, oh, you're saying clicks, though. I want to make sure I address that. Uh, so narrow. So if it was too narrow, it, you wouldn't be getting views if that helps. Um, what's what potential? So. Now, if, you, if you're getting views and no clicks, that's your conversion rate or part of the conversion rate. And that means that someone else is beating you out. So you need to look at the other bestsellers in your listing, the other competing listings, and see what about them may be kind of analyze and figure out why they might be beating you. Either their photography is better. They might have some better SEO, so they're getting more views. They might have a better price or turnaround time. They might... Um, just already have like a bestseller badge or something, which automatically draws a shopper more likely. Like you'd have to have some edge like on the pricing or something to beat out a bestseller badge or your image is just one that's going to attract a different different audience. So um, too, too narrow, you, you know, one thing you could do too is you could use Sales Samurai and or Everbee and go in and see how many searches it's getting a month. And then if you're in... Um, well, if you're in sale, if you have Sales Samurai, you can see how many searches they say they have a month. And then you can also go in and see how many competing listings there are for it. If you use Everbee instead, you can see how many searches there are. But then you can look at the top of the search results on Etsy. The top upper corner is going to say X number of results, including ads. So it's kind of a, a behind the scenes way to see how, what the competition is for a particular keyword. So um Another reason that you could be not getting a lot of views is that um, your niche is too saturated. So your number, listing number 100,000, because there are so many others that are using that keyword and just nobody gets back that far in the pages and the search results. So, uh, but again, clicks, if you're getting views but not clicks, then there's something about your listing that you need to evaluate because the competition is beating you out. 
So I hope I know we like went down rabbit holes there, but I hope that helped. The next one says, can you give us the basics of setting up a digital product listing, how to create a PDF with links when your digital product itself is too big for Etsy? So what I do is I go into Canva and I create, uh, I use the option to create a PDF and I kind of, you know, make it a simple but pretty page with like my own branding. And then I'll have some instructions on there that I type up in Canva. And then you can, you can use one of the Canva text boxes to create a live link. So I just copy, oh, um, what you're going to do then, or let's see. So you can do this a couple different ways. This is, this is a great question. One of them, if you're using actual templates within Canva, so like, let's say um, you're selling something and they need to use your Canva template so they can edit it, you're going to actually within that Canva um, item, you're going to be able to grab, create a template link. So when you go to like export or download, you click in the upper right hand corner of Canva, in that list, there'll be somewhere that says create link. So you're going to grab the link from there and then paste it over on the PDF in the other Canva document to, uh, to create it. I know what you're talking about. And then, but if you're just doing, um, PNGs or JPEGs, then you're going to need to do something like create a Google drive folder. And on the PDF within Canva, you're going to put a link to the, um, the Google drive folder in there. Make sure you pay attention to the settings on that. You want them to be able to view only and not edit, or the people who go into the folder are going to delete everything out and you're going to be constantly going back and forth. Like you're going to people being like, there's nothing in there. So make sure you pay attention to this, the settings on the Google drive folder. Um, and for those of you who this just all majorly went over their head, don't worry about it. This is not, unless you're, you're having a problem selling digital products, you don't need to worry about this, but I hope that helps. So PDF with links, you either for PNGs and, and JPEGs or any kind of flat image like that, you need to use a folder, Dropbox or Google Drive or something like that that people are familiar with, or you're going to use a template and you're going to grab the template link within Canva from the other, um, fi the other file, the other project in there where you created the template. Number seven is how do I get an audience? If you are referring to on the Etsy platform, like how do you get, because if it's social media, we've covered that earlier. Um, if you're talking about on Etsy, so the marketplace is designed with an algorithm that is, um, it's a search engine. Etsy is a search engine, which means the majority of people find what they're looking for because they come to Etsy.com, they go to the search bar and they type exactly what they're looking for. And then the platform gives them a list of results that are related. That's where your SEO or search engine optimization comes in because those related keywords, like if you have, if you have in your titles, your, your listing titles, as an example, the same words that the person searched, then you would be somewhere in those search results. So ideally you want to use the organic traffic of the marketplace and your, um, listing is set up correctly so that you are found when someone is searching for your item. Um, if and when that doesn't work, you know, you're looking at paid ads, which again, I don't suggest on Etsy unless you, um, you already have something that is selling or you know for a fact it will sell, which unless you're a very accomplished entrepreneur, you, and here's the thing. Sometimes I, I'm willing to kind of take the risk. Sometimes even I'm wrong. Like I'll put ad spend behind things that I haven't sold before. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I don't recommend it. Only run ads for the, an amount of money that you're willing to lose is my point. So those would be the main ways. And then, or to get an audience or to get customers on Etsy, you could drive your own traffic by using Pinterest, by using 
Google ads by having social media accounts that drive traffic to your Etsy shop. The next one says how to write an interesting about me section. So this is a great question. And I I personally think that the best way to go about this is, I mean, do I sound like a broken record? I'd go look at five to 10 of shops that are doing really well within your niche and take a look at how they've done it. And again, we're never doing this to copy. We're doing this to see we're doing this to get insights about what converts. So a lot of times like the about me, coincidentally, it needs to be more about your shopper than about you. So it shouldn't just be your biography. A little bit of that is great. I think it's wonderful to um, learn a little bit about the seller and how they got into what they were doing. But like, you don't need to talk about like, unless it's directly relevant, you know, the your parents got divorced when you were a kid. And so da 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 or whatever, or like, I'm trying to support, you know, my kids through college, unless that's, you know, directly relevant to your product. But I think that people are more looking for a charming maker story. Um, And it needs to be more about how you love and serve and care about your customer than it should be about you. So I hope that helps. And again, the best way, because every niche is going to be different, I'm even testing a shop right now where I don't have an about section just to see, because I always say when you're starting and I'm willing to take the risk, right? Like I know how to make a shop profitable. Um, I'm testing it without an about section just because it sort of vibes with the brand I'm trying to create. And so far it has not hindered me at all. Um, But I think that when you need everything to help you, that's possible, especially if you're doing a handmade product, especially you need to have an about section. And I would study what some of the other big shops have done in that area to do well. I also think including pictures in the about section is brilliant. Number nine, how can we set up add-on options in our Etsy shops, such as different gift wrap options for different products? Example, I don't want to offer gift wrap on my print-on-demand mugs, but I do want to offer it on some of the handmade keychains I sell. Thanks, Lizzie. Okay, so um, that's kind of sticky because you're going to end up occasionally dealing with an issue what I would do is is I would create um, a separate listing, like as an add-on. I would I would like have a separate gift wrap listing, and a couple things you could uh, I would so most people don't read the product descriptions. Make sure you have a graphic in your uh, yeah this could kind of help. Put a graphic in your photo gallery saying like um, there's a like basically like do you would you like this gift wrapped question mark like look in the in the product description for a link to the wrap, you know, to the wrapping listing and you can add it on. Something obviously a little more eloquent than that and with a pretty picture maybe even of of the item gift wrapped would be brilliant. So like if you could take a picture of that and then add your text on it, that would be a 10 out of 10 and then have a separate listing um I think that, and then the products that are print on demand don't have the graphic in your photo gallery. And I would even maybe in the description have an asterisk and say like not available with gift wrapping. And then on the off chance that sometimes it comes through with the gift wrapping add-on, you're just going to have to reach out to them, refund that part of it, um, and just explain, I'm so sorry, like this is coming from a third party, you know, uh, provider that helps me make these. And so I'm not able to offer gift wrapping on this. But unfortunately, there's no way to just... The, the best thing to do is to advertise within the listing. You could even, you could get kind of creative with a personalization field on that because the personalization can be optional. So you can say on there, even adding a personalization personalization field on the ones that you want to add gift wrapping. And you could say, would you like this gift wrapped? Like look in the description for, um, for the, what do you call it? For the link to the gift wrapping add-on. That's another way you could go about it. 
So hopefully one of those ideas works well for you. It's not going to be a perfect fix though. Okay. I've been looking forward to this one. Number 10, they go, I just, and this isn't why I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it because of the subject matter, but they go, I just love you. Have to start there. LOL. I love you too. But I started print on demand and did not excel, but then I started a mock-up shop with AI. I'm only in my second month and on track to hit $10,000 in my second month. What? She said, they said that. I don't know that it's a she. But I'm seeing all the chaos within the last 24 hours about print on demand. Not allowed to use mock-ups. I need more info. Please and thank you for all the things. You're the best. Okay. So first of all, if you wrote that and you are listening, I would love to talk to you. Uh, you Obviously, there's no pressure. But if you want to um, send me an email, lizziesmiley at yahoo.com, L-I-Z-Z-I-E-S-M-I-L-E-Y at yahoo.com. Um, I would love to do a little Zoom chat with you because the way I've been geeking out about this, I would love to hear your story. I promise I'll protect you. I will not take advantage at all. I would just love to talk. Like we're just playing in the same pond. So um, that's amazing. I would love to talk to you if you're listening and you have any interest in chatting with me. So um, that being out of the way, there's like so much context that I need to give you guys over this. Oh my gosh, we're only on question 10. I'm like 35 minutes in. This is classic Lizzie. So uh, also guys, this is why I'm playing with AI and with mock-ups of all different kinds, because this is now the fifth story I've heard like this, where someone started this year, just a few months ago, and they're, sh- they're making things like 10, remember $10,000 passively because it's a digital download. Are there risks? Yes. The AI laws are changing every single week. We don't even know what they're going to be yet. It's very possible we're not going to be able to copyright or trademark anything that we create. There could be issues about other artists being like, this is too close to my, it's risky. But um, to be honest, like using a Canva graphic is risky. So it's just, to me, it's like all all the same. We've just got to keep an eye on it. If you are unfamiliar, my guess is this person got some of their information already. However, it just changed again this week. So I'm really excited to share what I've got there. Um, Let's see, back in October, there were a flurry of shops that were shut down and they couldn't. And as you guys know, a lot of times Etsy doesn't say why. They don't share. I need to take a drink of water. My apologies. Just do the do, 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 do song for a second. Okay, thank you. A flurry of shops got shut down. They could not ascertain why. For some reason, people jumped to the conclusion that it was because of their mock-ups. It was like some there was something about that that they thought it must be this. And then people started digging into the thumbnail rules um, for Etsy about what you can use for pictures. And you could, you could kind of interpret it either way. It's not, it doesn't explicitly say you can't use mock-ups, but it has other language that makes you go, huh, I wonder. So it was this whole huge thing. And we were waiting for days to get any answers. And Printify was one of the best resources because they've actually got ins at Etsy. They've got contacts there they were talking to. And so um, we were waiting for Printify to give us an update. Like basically for a few days there, it was like no one can use, you can't use mockups and be compliant on Etsy. Um, There was also, there's a pretty big YouTube channel. I'm, it's escaping me right now uh, for Etsy. And they were able to get some, uh, an email back from Etsy Legal. I, let me, I'll link it for you. Let's see. um, Etsy YouTube legal video. 
of course, all this is in flux again. You guys are just going to, it's, it's exhausting. So, but the bottom line was, and I did a bunch of uh, TikToks and, and videos and things on this at the time. The bottom line was that um, Etsy came back and mock-ups weren't the issue. So they were basically like, they didn't, Etsy didn't come back publicly. They came back to this YouTube channel and they came back to Printify. And so we're getting it secondhand, but from not just from any Tom, Dick or Harry, from people who have relationships with Etsy and like obviously Printify needs to know if what's compliant and what isn't because that's what they do. They integrate compliantly with Etsy. So it's this whole thing. So basically it was like, you can use mockups so long as they properly represent the product that's being purchased um, and that the shutdowns were unrelated. It had more to do with like, they weren't disclosing a production partner, which is important or, or trademark reasons or whatever. Um, and the whole thing kind of quieted down. And then now just like, I was it yesterday or the day before Printify posted another thing in their Facebook group that, um, Printify POD Rockstars is a great Facebook group. Is there like crud in there and some negativity? Yes, but it's not because Printify is moderating it a bit. It's not as awful as some of the other Etsy Facebook groups that, by the way, like literally in January, I'm launching my own group and it will be super helpful. It will be super positive and we will kick out anybody who breaks any rules because I will not put up with the negativity and the ugliness and the judging and the meanness. You're just going to get axed. So that is, I know I've been talking about it for months. January, it's coming. Maybe, maybe sooner if I can get all my ducks in a row. Um, so just keep your ears and eyes peeled for that. I'll probably announce it on Instagram first at how to sell your stuff if we're not connected there. I digress. Printify, Printify POD Rockstars is a great Facebook group. They posted this in the last 24 hours. Hi, Rockstars. So in the last few days, we've been talking to our friends at Etsy, and they've shared some information with us regarding how they are filtering listings and in some cases removing them. This is more about like your listing getting taken down rather than your shop getting shut down, though. We know that Etsy, Etsy are using AI filters to, meaning their uh, bots that are making these decisions are AI driven, which is how it's been for years with them now, to remove, uh, it's not related to AI products, um, to remove products that are also listed on TeamU. And they're also using filters to suppress the visibility of items that are non-handmade. Etsy also have, um, have also publicly said that that quote, made by the maker is at the heart of their brand. So we expect this defense of their positioning to continue. Our advice from our partnerships team is to, one, whenever you can, use unique mock-ups. Two, especially avoid using mock-ups that can be found on sites like TeamU and Shein. Three, when you can, order samples and take photos of real-life people in your products. This is a good practice we see top sellers use. Four, if you have stores on multiple channels, don't use the same mock-up on Etsy and the other channel. When we have more information, we will let you know. It's just like, do you ever feel like you're in a, um, um, oh, what do you call it? A soap opera? <laughs> because I do. So here's, here's my thought about that. And then also in reference to this uh, question about the AI mockups. I actually think, so the, no one has, has come out yet. Etsy's not made a statement. This is as of today, as of November 25th, 2023, because AI is changing constantly. There is no rule saying you cannot use AI on Etsy. Um, I personally think it helps to modify it a little bit. And that's a whole different conversation. I'll talk about it way more in the workshop. Um, but in terms of like, if you're in print on demand, 
I would avoid using, this is this is completely opposite of normal. Don't use bestseller mockups. Actually, I think the AI ones for a while are gonna be really helpful because they're gonna be, there's so many of them available to us and we can be more obscure. So you're gonna be one of only a handful of people using that mockup as opposed to some of the ones that are bestsellers and people on, on Amazon are using, like they're everywhere. Those are the ones that are causing, because this is really Timu and Shein that's causing the problem is because we've got these like, you know, drop shippers, which is, and, and behaving in ways that are not compliant with Etsy. And that's what's getting it flagged. So you're actually better off. And something um, with the AI mockups, this is just something I've started playing with that I think will be interesting. When you use them, crop the face off. Like some of the best selling like mockups out there from the big shops, don't use the, like, unless the Unless the mock-up seller states that you can't do that, and sometimes they do say you can't modify it at all, uh, I I don't have that rule in my shop. But you can, if and when you can, crop off the head, like kind of at the neck, or look and see where it looks good. Does it look good, like cropped at the neckline, at the lips, right below the nose, something like that, um, so that it looks less AI. I think that will help. But so like. Bottom line for this question asker, we don't know. There's not currently, there's still nothing that says we can't use mockups at all. I think that if you're if you're a print-on-demand shop with thousands of listings, it's not going to be practical for you to order samples of everything. You could make your own mockups. You could order blanks of the shirts that you sell most commonly, like colors and sizes, and then use that to make your own mockup. But I still actually think that so long as, this is my only issue with AI mockups for clothing, you, it's very hard to get them to look just like the shirt. So when I'm playing in mid journey, I have to make all of these tweaks. And I often have to throw out ones that I was really excited about because I can't get it close enough to the shirt. It needs to look like the actual shirt. Um, so I think in terms of this question asker, I, I, you know, would keep going, but watch the rules, watch the laws so far. So good. Um, I think that you've probably seen a hit in sales and may continue to, I encourage you to venture into other types of mock-ups because it's working great for me. And um, we're allowed to use, any any seller on Etsy is allowed to use a mock-up for a digital product, just saying. So um, I will uh, keep you posted. I've been doing most of those updates. Actually, I haven't done this one yet though, on um, TikTok and Instagram and all of that because I'm able to do it more real time. These podcasts are usually recorded months in advance. This is like a fluke or weeks in advance. So uh, yeah, hopefully you and I will get to chat. Hopefully this is helping a bunch of other people. I, I, I just don't think you can order a sample of every single thing unless you are very niche. Um, make your own mock-ups, choose mock-ups that are not as what, like they said, um, avoid the really popular mock-ups, use unique ones. Or create your own. You know, you could come to the, you may not want to sell mock-ups. You could come to or, or get a seat in the workshop just to learn how to make your own. And then you can crop it or do whatever you want with it. So I think it's worth its weight in gold. Um, I've been using a lot of my own in my own print-on-demand shop now as well because I can create exactly what I want. I can create whatever vibe I want. So, oh my gosh, the way I could talk about that for the next 10 years. Um, so interesting. We're like, The time is flying. Let me see how many more of these I can cover. <laughs> Okay, if you guys have been listening to me for more than 20 minutes, you've probably heard me talk about the three most important components of a successful Etsy shop. So number one, a product that people are actually searching for and buying right now. Number two, beautiful product photos that stand out in the search results. And number three, 
your SEO or keywords, which really simply just means your Etsy listings need to include the exact same phrases that your shoppers are searching for up there in that Etsy search bar. In fact, even if shoppers are buying your product like gangbusters from other shops and your pictures are like the quality to be on the cover of a magazine, if you don't have your SEO nailed and those perfect word phrases all throughout your Etsy listings, shoppers will literally never find you. So wait, 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 don't feel discouraged. I've got you. I want to let you in on my secret weapon for SEO on Etsy. It's a website called Sale Samurai that mines all of Etsy's shop and listing data so that you don't have to. Thank you. (laughs) You can find out what keyword phrases are searched the most for every single niche and how many listings are using them so that you can understand how steep the competition is. That is so helpful. So within the program, you're able to see details like hundreds of other keywords you can use, what shops and listings are performing the best in your space, what the pricing competition looks like, and so much more. It's literally literally a goldmine of information that will help you compete in the search results. So if you would like to get a sneak peek of exactly what Sales Samurai can do, why I love it so much, what makes it so powerful. I created a YouTube video that will give you that overview. So check that out. It will be linked in the podcast show notes for you. And so Sales Samurai is a very reasonable monthly membership that you're going to want to maintain because you're going to do this research constantly in your Etsy shop. And they have very generously given me a 20% off for life coupon code just for you guys. So you get to start with a free trial, but go through my link so that they'll give you that lower rate for as long as you stick with the service. We all need to save a few bucks here and there. So the code is how to sell your stuff. There's no spaces between the words and it's all lowercase. But of course, I will just link their site, the discount code and that YouTube mini tutorial for you all down in the show notes. (laughs) I'm so excited for you guys to get your hands on this one. I'm obsessed with it. I literally use it every day. I use it with my clients. We help, help them get the edge. And I just know how much it can help you with that SEO game. So I definitely encourage you to give it a try. What are the rules for selling upcycled items. I'm interested in upcycling with brand name products. Mm -mm. So yeah, trademark rules. You, you cannot use brand name products. You're going to get a cop. You're going to get slapped with copyright or trademark infringement. Um, I, you know, you obviously like, can you can use certain things to like, you can get a mug and you can paint it or whatever. You can get a blank shirt so you can upcycle things in that way. I created our signs with upcycled wood. Like I used reclaimed wood Um, and then otherwise, like you're kind of skirting the vintage niche, which needs to be 20 years or older to be sold as a vintage item. So, but definitely not the, the candy and the brand name products. You're going to get in trouble for that. Next is what's the best way to share my craft kit link in my Etsy shop. I have it listed in my shop announcement, but is it cringy to also make an infographic to use in my listing photos? No, make it and put it in every listing in the description put it in the infographic. Absolutely. Because here you need like, um, make it look cute. And if you're offering a discount or something like that, that's awesome. Like whether it's for, you know, for a future order or for maybe like some kind of, you know, digital freebie or something like that. I don't think it's cringy at all. I think that here's the thing you have to remember. Most people aren't even seeing your shop announcement. And if they happened to see it in your shop announcement, and then again, in your listing description and or your your gallery, 
No, I, I think that's great. Cause like, think about the, the rule of um, seven exposures. Like most people don't buy something or make a decision until they've seen it seven times. So no, not cringy at all. Great idea. Go get them, tiger. 13, I said, I find, oh, I should get my husband on for this one. I find finances very confusing. Do you know anyone who can give easy to understand advice about business credit cards for print on demand usage? Or do you have episodes or posts about this? I can check out some more. Thank you. So, um, ish, uh, I, Jenny from the shop, who is one of our print on demand girls, uh, there's lots of episodes with her that I can, I can link Jenny, um, under, for this one. But, um, she recommended to me a Chase credit card that had, you know, a great, like I had like no interest for a really long time. And then I was getting, I'm getting, I get crazy points. I was able to get like an iPad and all kinds of things from the points on there. So, um, I think just, you know, I think it's really important that you don't carry a balance. So if you use it to cover print on demand orders, basically for those who are listening, who don't know what this means, like when you have a print on demand shop, the order comes through Etsy and it connects over to the print on demand store, uh, like Printify or Printful. And you have to process the order there. So you have to pay in advance for that item shirt, for example, to be made. So your credit cards on or your account is on file with Printify. They charge you for whatever the agree, you know, whatever the amount is to make it. And then they ship it to your customer. Meanwhile, Etsy holds the funds depending on reserves and all that. And once you get the funds released, then you're paid and you get paid back for what you've spent to have the shirt made and then whatever your profit is, you get paid at that point. So it's really helpful to use a credit card for something like this rather than to have it coming out of your bank account all the time because it's kind of like a, there's like this temporary gap, which like, here's the thing, people go crazy about this, but like think about any store, any business. If you go to like Old Navy, they had to pay to have those products made at some agreed upon price for bulk or whatever. And then when they sell it to the customer, they recoup the cost for that one item. And I understand that they have way more money than us and all the things, but the point is this is just basic business. Usually you have to front money to get the basic product and then you know you get paid back. Like you make that money back hopefully once, that's the nice thing about Printify at least, like you only, you only pay for it to be made once someone has ordered it. You know, you don't have to sit on the inventory. It's actually amazing. So um, I can link the Chase credit card that Jenny uses, that I use. Um, and you can see about that for yourself. But just don't carry a balance. As soon as Etsy pays you, pay it off so that you're not, you know, affecting your credit. If you can get it, if you can get one as a um, business under your, if you have an LLC, Again, not legal advice, but for sure you want to try to get your do your banking and get your a business credit card instead, so that it's not connected to your um, personal finances. But apart from that, I'm not sure what else we can cover. Do you get easy to understand advice about business credit cards? Yeah, I, that. So I will link that one. I think it is good, and it is um, Chase. It has a great website. Everything's very easy to understand. You can see all of it very clearly, and that is a great place to start. Two more quick questions. Comparing Sales Samurai to Everbee, why is their data so different? Their data is different because Etsy doesn't publish it and they've had to generate their own equations to figure it out. So they both have their own um, their own AI running or their own algorithms going or their own way that they are trying to calculate and guess what the search volume is for every single, every single search on Etsy. And there's no way for them to tabulate that other than to try to create their own algorithm. And so... Yes, they are both 
often quite different. What I have learned is that I, so that's why I have both of them. So long as one of them has a good number of searches per month, I consider it one to play with that's worth playing with. Nothing is ever a surefire thing. Like they could both say there's a ton of searches on it and it could be a product that never makes me any money. So um, that's what I do. I just, so long as one of them has a decent number of searches and that depends, like that's all relative. Okay. So in some niches, a de decent number of searches is a hundred. That would have been me in the sign shop. I would have for sure, something that had a hundred searches a month, if there were only two, three competing listings, yeah, I, if I sell 40 of those, I'm going to make a crap ton of money. Pardon my language there. Um, but then like on other places, it, you know, a thousand would be kind of a small number of searches. So I hope that helps. And then this is going to be our last one as a print on demand seller on Etsy, how to set free shipping in Etsy when Printify publishes my items with shipper costs in Etsy automatically with the integration. Thanks. So you need to go into your dashboard settings and into your printing or your printing, your shipping settings and set it as a standard free shipping. Um, it should not, that would override whatever comes through from Printify. So, okay. I've talked to yours off for 53 minutes, actually more than that. Once I add in the other stuff that's got to be in here, but I hope this has been helpful. I have a few carryover and we will do this again uh, next year, first half of next year. Let me know. Give me feedback about the episode. Do you like these FAQs? Do you wish I did them more often? Do you wish I did them differently? Someone actually told me that the form that I use, the survey form kept glitching. So if that was your experience as well, let me know. And I'll, maybe I need to find a better way to have you guys submit questions, but give me all the feedback. I am celebrating you and your Q4. I believe in you. I believe that Etsy is still totally viable. I believe it can change your life. I believe that you, yes, you, can do it. You just have to, oh, what, what is that? Um, there is a sermon that I watched and the guy, I've heard him say it several times. He said, even an old blind squirrel finds a nut every now and again, if he just doesn't give up. <laughs> and that just, I don't know, crack. I like animals. So it sticks with me. Just please don't give up. Please don't give up. I'm begging you. Don't give up. If it's not working, let's pivot. Just like the person who said they were trying print on demand. It didn't work as well. And, um, Mockup AI mockups is killing it for them. I'm not saying you need to go that route. I'm saying if it's not working, try something different. And if you need help, hire me for a coaching session and I'll help you figure it out. But don't give up. It's it's just you're worth it. Okay. You and your family. I love you guys so much. And I will see you next week. In the meantime, say it with me. Go make something awesome. Bye, y'all. And that's a wrap on this episode of How to Sell Your Stuff on Etsy. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. If you're looking for more resources, head on over to howtosellyourstuff.com where you'll find podcast show notes, all the links from today's episode, the blog, courses, coaching, and more. If this episode was helpful to you, awesome. The greatest compliment I can receive from you is a rate, review, and subscribe on this podcast. Not only will it allow us to connect again on a future episode, it lets me know I'm providing you with value and helps other people find this content more easily. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for your support. Have a great day and see you next time.